Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. This is going to be an interesting study for us today. We're still on the topic of, or on the series of conversational evangelism. And today we're going to begin talking about Jesus and the widow's might. The Bible said in verse number 41 of Mark chapter 12, that Jesus sat over against the treasury and behold how the people cast money into the treasury and many that were rich cast in much. Let's stop right there for just a moment. Jesus was sitting beside the offering bucket watching what people gave. Selah. Pause and think about that. Well, God really doesn't care about what we give. That's not true. That's not true. We're going to be talking today about stewardship is discipleship. And we're going to find out that stewardship is a whole lot more than just money. We're going to talk about the different areas of our life that, that we need to be good stewards in, a command of Jesus. We are learning to be fully developing followers of Jesus Christ. We are learning to be a disciple of Jesus. Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, says that he was sitting by the treasury and watching what people gave. And it goes on and expands upon it. There came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which makes a farthing. So Jesus saw her give the farthing. And he called unto him his disciples, and saith unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. So we see that Jesus was watching people give huge amounts of money and Jesus watched the widow give just a small amount of money. And I think it's important for us to understand, and I'm going to say it again, I think it's important for us to understand that God watches what we give. He is interested in what we give. The Bible teaches that. The scriptures teach that. You say, well, how come? Because God holds us accountable as stewards for the blessing that God has placed upon our life. In this conversation that Jesus was having, he was pointing out that the, the little widow woman had given all that she had. He was also pointing out that there were a whole lot of them that were giving a whole lot of money. He wasn't saying that it was wrong. He didn't say it was wrong for them to give a lot, and he didn't say that it was wrong for her to give a little. He just pointed out that, that it was more for her to give those two mites than it was for those that was giving a lot. Now, there's a lot of people today, and I just want to lay this out there in the very beginning. There's a lot of people today that have this attitude, and I hear it sometimes, they'll say, well, the Bible says don't let the right hand know what the left hand does, and so I never fill out a giving envelope. I never, I never, it's nobody's business what I give and all of this kind of thing. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? According to the scripture, because Jesus was sitting there watching them give, people that are like that usually have a problem with accountability. And if we have a problem with accountability, the only people that have a problem with accountability are people that are not doing right by God. 
Hello? Hello? We're going to get into some things here tonight, today. And I want to show you, you're going to, you're going to see that God wants you to be blessed. That God, it's okay for us to experience the blessing of God in our life. Why was Jesus sitting there by the treasury watching what they gave? Well, the reason was because stewardship begins when an identifiable gift is given. You have not started on the process of stewardship until you have started being accountable before God and before spiritual leadership for what you have given. Did you know that every single month, and I'm, and I'm telling you this because I don't want you to think that I'm preaching something that I don't practice. Every single month in the church of God, I fill out a report. How many messages I preached, how many people gave their life to Christ, how many members were added to the church, how many people were baptized with water, how many were restored, how many were filled with the Holy Spirit, and do you pay tithe? Yes. Where, how much was your ministry income, and where do you pay your tithe? And so I have to fill that report out. I've never had a problem filling that report out. You know why? Because I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to hide. When it comes to giving especially, I have absolutely nothing to hide. Because I'm a steward. I have stewardship responsibility. I have accepted the stewardship responsibility of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Several years ago, when I was starting in the ministry, I was a teenager, about 17, 18, 19 years old. I had been up in Canada for just a little bit. was starting out in Canada and up in Michigan. And I was living in Lake Odessa, Michigan at the time. And uh, God was starting to prosper. The ministry is starting to grow. And I decided, well, what I need to do is I need to go down to the bank and I need to talk to the banker and I need to get the money and I need to buy a house so I can have an office in the house and I won't be at the house very much because I'm out traveling all the time. But I do need a ministry headquarters. I need a place, you know, to send out the tapes, a place for people to send in letters and things like that. So I went down to the banker and I sat down to, to the banker and I began to talk to the banker. And he said, how can I help you, young man? And it was a hometown bank, and I said, well, I said, I need a loan so I can buy a home. And he looked at me, and he said, well, do you have a job? I said, yes, sir. I said, I am a full-time evangelist. And he looked at me and leaned back in his chair, and he made this statement to me. There were two statements he made to me. This was the first one. He said, that is really good charitable work, but call me back when you have a real job. That's what he said to me. I laughed. Then I got a little angry. And I looked at him and I said, it is a real job and I showed him things and he looked at me and he said, no, no, now listen. And this is the second thing he told me. There are three people that we never loan money to. Here they are. The painter, the preacher, and the prostitute. And I looked at him and I said, why? He said, because painters, preachers, and prostitutes never pay us back. And I looked at him and I said, that is not right. And God began to speak to me about how that it's important for us to be good stewards. 
It's important for us to be good stewards. God cares about stewardship. Listen to me, church. The reputation of God is on the line. You need to pay your bills. We're talking stewardship here. You need to pay your bills. If you don't pay your bills, the Bible said, owe no man anything but to love one another. If you pay your bills on time, then you don't owe. What the Bible is saying, the Bible is saying, don't let your bills get in arrears. Take care of business. Proverbs 22 and verse number 1. A good name, read this with me. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Why? Because if you call yourself by the name of Jesus Christ and you're going to wear His name, then people are going to draw their opinions about Jesus Christ based on your practices as a professing Christian. Come on, this is going to be an interesting message today, I promise. This is interesting. This is interesting. This is going to be a little different than what we've been doing, okay? So stewardship is discipleship. 1 Corinthians 4 and 2. The Bible said, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So the first question is, what is stewardship? Stewardship is the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. There are four areas of every single Christian's life that they are responsible for when it comes to stewardship. One of them is time, one is talent, one is treasure, and the other is testimony. When people join our church, we have a membership covenant. And I stand up here every time they join the church and I ask them in those four areas if they are willing to make a commitment to those four areas. Time, talent, treasure, and testimony. You as a steward, as a person who is conducting, supervising, and managing the life that God has given you, is responsible, are responsible before God for your time, for your talents, for your treasure, and for your testimony. So here's one of the exercises that you need to do when you go home today before you go to bed. Number one, you need to look at your time and how you're spending it. And you need to take stewardship, responsibility, over the hours that you are awake. And you need to say, okay, Father, help me with this to be the most effective Christian that I could be. Then you need to write down the talents that God has given you. And when I'm talking about talents, it doesn't have to be musically. Many people have talents in business. Many people have talents in creativity. There are other things. Write down the talents that God has given you. And through gratitude and through thankfulness, a lot of times God, God takes those talents and allows us to create income so we can live a good life. But we need to, through gratitude and thanksgiving, say, Lord, I'm going to offer a portion of these talents to you for the betterment of the kingdom of God, for the growth of the kingdom of God. And then the same thing happens with your treasure. And we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. And then your testimony. You need to write down your testimony. Someday somebody may read your testimony and that might be the inspiration for them to give their life to Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing? 
And so stewardship is the conducting, the supervising, the manage of something, especially careful, responsible management of, of something entrusted to one's care, or we could say the careful and responsible management of my time, of my talent, of my treasure, and of my testimony. Stewardship is discipleship. Come on. Stewardship is discipleship. Discipleship is the process of learning and applying the disciplines of Christian living. God has called you to learn and apply the disciplines of Christian living as a good steward of the life that God has given you. And so I'm going to learn everything that I can in the Bible, what the Bible says about my time, about my talent, about my treasure, and about my testimony. And I'm going to do everything that I can to line my life up with the information that I acquire through the study of God's Word so I can present my life before the Lord, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which the Bible says is our reasonable service. Now, let's talk a little bit about the spiritual side of money. You will experience spiritual warfare where giving is concerned. The enemy is going to tell you when you come to a church and the pastor gets up there and talks about finances and what God requires of us and what God requests of us and the inspiration that God gives us in the Word, the enemy is going to whisper in your ear and say, See, all they ever want is money. That's the devil talking to you. Do you know that Jesus spent more time on money than he did on the blood? Jesus talked about it a lot. Jesus talked about what we should be doing with our finances. You know why? Because he knew that if something was going to trip humanity up, it was going to be power or money. And he knew that power could become an idol, and he knew that money could become an idol. And so he addressed those things, and yes, he stirred up the religious attitude of his day when he talked about it. Religious people don't like you to talk about money. Even though it's all through the... There are over 1,500 scriptures that directly or indirectly address the subject. And in America, we don't want to hear about it. You know why? I'm going to lay it out there. Ready? You know why? Because we're stingy. We're Pentecostals. We're Pentecostals. If I could teach you something that would move you from poverty to prosperity, would you want to hear it? If it was in the Bible, would you want to hear it? Then why do we get offended? And here's the thing, here's the thing. Here's what I found out, and I've been in the ministry a long time, lots of years, and here's what I found out. The only people that really get upset when you talk about giving are the ones who aren't giving those that, those that give, they get excited. 
because they're part of the process and they start beginning to see, oh wow, my giving and my gift can do this for me? My giving and my gift can do this for the kingdom? Wow, pastor, why don't you preach about that some more? Why don't you minister about that some more? See, I'm not going to stand before God someday and have you point at me and say, man, I didn't have to live like that. If you would have taught me different, I wouldn't have had to live like it. Listen, I'm going to teach you the word of God. And you know what? Religious folk will get offended. They'll get upset. You're going to experience spiritual warfare where your giving is concerned. The first thing that's going to happen is the devil's going to try to tell you that all the church wants is money. The second thing the devil's going to tell you is, and try to convince you of is that Jesus was poor. I've had entire families leave the church when I've made statements like this. But I'm going to say it anyway because it's the word of God and there's not a button on my coat for sale. Here's what I'm going to say. Jesus was not poor. I don't have the time to get into it this morning, but I can prove it to you. I did in the first service. I can prove it to you in the scripture that Jesus was not just not poor. Jesus was stupendously wealthy. You say, well, I just don't know about that. Why do you want to keep him poor? Why in the world do you want to believe he was poor? Well, because the Bible said he became poor. Well, the Bible said they became sin too. You want to call him a sinner? Where did he become sin? On the cross. Where did he become poor? On the cross. And the Bible said, and this all say about it, and then we'll keep moving on. But the Bible said that he became poor, which is on the cross, so that we might become rich. Now, that's what the Bible says. So it's not a sin to be rich, church. It's not a sin to be wealthy. It's not a sin to believe God to be wealthy. Money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. It's not wrong to have money. It's wrong when the money has you. So what we have to do is we have to say, Lord... I see money for what it is. It's my servant to help in what I need to do in order to experience the life that you want me to live as your son and, and to be able to be a significant giver for the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. Now, now when you get that mentality, Satan is going to fight you like bonkers. I mean, he is going to do everything in his power to try to rip to shreds anybody in your mind who has the audacity to stand up and tell you that God, it's God's will to move you from poverty to prosperity. But it's in the Word. It's there. It's in the Word. So you're going to experience that. You're going to experience spiritual warfare where giving is concerned. So my goal today is to encourage you to commit to a lifetime of Christian stewardship in all four areas, in time, talent, treasure, and testimony. And it's impossible to become a fully developing, and I underlined ING there because it's a process that's constantly going on. It's impossible to become a fully developing follower of Jesus Christ without also becoming a fully developing steward of the financial resources that God has blessed you with. This is a process that we need to learn and it's something that we are constantly learning as we grow and grow and grow in God as a steward and as a disciple. Now, stewardship is about developing disciples. God is a significant giver. He was. He gave Jesus 
2,000 years ago on Calvary, which was his most precious gift. He gave him to die on Calvary for us. You know that. Okay? But God did not quit giving then. God still gives to us today. He still pours out of heaven onto us today. And God is a significant giver. In fact, the Bible says in Malachi, Dr. John read it this morning or talked about it. In fact, the Bible says in Malachi that his desire is to open up heaven so he'll pour up, pour out so much blessing on us that we won't even have room enough to receive it. If you go back into the Old Testament and you look at, at, the, at Solomon's temple, And when they were building and gathering money together to build the temple, the Bible said there came a time when the priest had to stand before the people and say, quit bringing us money. We don't have any place to put any more of it. Some people feel bad when you talk about things like that. But but it's, it's what the Word says. And if God is so against money, if He's so against the ministry having money and you having money because you are the church, if God is so against that, then how come the walls of God's temple, Solomon's temple, were overlaid with gold and the Bible said that the floors and everything were marble and there was very expensive wood and at the dedication of that temple, when the worshipers were worshiping, the Bible said that the presence of the Lord came into that atmosphere so strong that the priest could not even stand to read the Word of God. If God was against that, if God was against that kind of wealth for His children and for His people, then how come He blessed the dedication of that temple with that kind of presence? Now you go into the New Testament. Now listen to me. You go into the New Testament and the Bible says that God no longer dwells in temples made with hands, but He dwells in the temples of men's hearts. And the Bible said that we are the temple of the living God. And so if God adorned the Old Testament temple with all of that wealth and now He lives in this temple, then what is wrong with Him adorning this temple with that kind of wealth? You say, well, I just don't know about that. That's probably why you're so broke you can't pay attention. It's important for us to shift our mentality and realize God really does want the best for us. He really does want you to live in a good home. He wants you to drive a nice car. He wants you to be in a position where you can take mama out for a steak dinner if you need to. He wants you to be able to go on a cruise every now and then and have a nice vacation with your family. And through all of that, He wants to bless you significantly to the point where you can give significant gifts for the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. It is God's will for you to do well. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, Pastor's preaching it right this morning. It's God's will for you to do well. For you to do well. So God is a significant giver. Now, stewardship and capital campaigning are not the same. Even a lost person will give to a capital campaign. When we talk about stewardship, we're not talking about raising money for a project. We are talking about, and we'll talk about it in a bit, in a bit but we're talking about developing and participating in the rhythm of giving day-by-day obedience. So stewardship and capital campaigning are not the same. As a Christ follower, we should be good stewards and we should set the example for others to follow. Now let's talk a little bit about personal stewardship. Time, talent, treasure, testimony. Stewardship is about day-to-day obedience. It's not about 
Sunday obedience and Wednesday obedience. It's about every single day. We come to church on Sunday and we get our praise on. Oh, hallelujah. It's pretty easy to do that in an environment like this. But stewardship is about obeying God on Monday also and on Tuesday also and on Wednesday and Thursday all through the week. Lord, what do you want me to do with my... It's Monday. Lord, what do you want me to do with my time today? What do you want me to do with my talent today? What do you want me to do with my treasure today? What do you want me to... How do you want to use me with my testimony today, Lord? What do you want to do? Lord, I want to win people to you. I want to be a great example for you, God. What do you want me to do? And so stewardship is about day-to-day obedience. And once again, stewardship is discipleship. Say that with me. Stewardship is discipleship. That's what it is. Stewardship is discipleship. So I have this uh, little thing called 11 buckets. Now if you count them, there'll be 12, but that's because the income bucket is there and that's really not supposed to be a bucket. That's supposed to be uh, what comes in. But I've got this little thing that I found and I I spent some time uh, thinking about it and putting it together and I thought this would be a great teaching for us. This is practical teaching about stewardship concerning our finances. Number one, here's what you need to do. You need to summarize your present position. Get yourself a piece of paper, financially summarize your income and your expenditures. If you don't write it down, you'll have a very difficult time digging out of the hole that you're in. So write down who you owe and what you owe. Look at your credit cards. If you have credit cards, find out which ones are higher balances. Try to get those paid off first if you can. Work on getting out of debt. So you need to summarize your present position. What is my income? What is my debt? Then what are my taxes? Those of us that are uh, considered sole proprietorships or in business for ourselves, like pastors, most of the times we have to pay our own taxes. Business owners, they have to pay their own taxes. Not everybody can, you know, get a whole bunch of money at tax time. Some people love tax time because they get their child credit and all that kind of stuff and they get more money than they've ever seen in their life. Other people are like, oh dear God, it's tax time again. And so you're looking around, listen, don't cheat on your taxes. Don't cheat on your taxes. Okay, so taxes. So you look at your debt, you look at your taxes, you look at your giving, and you look at your living expenses. Make a budget. How much is my mortgage payment? How much is my electric? How much is my water? How much is my, is my food bill going to be? How much is my fuel? What's my cable going to cost? And don't forget to put God's part in there. And just, you just go on down, on down, and that's my living expenses. So once you summarize your present position, then you look at what you've got coming in, and you look at what you have going out. Then you need to get another piece of paper and lay it out beside it and you need to establish your financial goals. What kind of lifestyle do I want to live? Listen to me, young people. There is this wonderful thing called compounding interest. Time is your friend when you're young. Compounding interest. Compounding interest, it's great. It's wonderful. You know, and and you need as... The the younger you are, the sooner you can get involved in this, you need to start participating in this. You can take $25 or $30 a month and you can get started with compounding interest. You need to do that, okay? And, and, but develop the lifestyle. The lifestyle. Think about what, what, how do I want to live as time goes on? How do I want to live? And then you think about the needs, the family needs. What is my, not only what does my family need right now? But as time goes on, as I begin to age and as different things happen, and what about my parents? Because we honor our parents not just when we're growing up, but we honor them until they die. And then we honor them afterwards. And so we want to take care of our parents. And so we think about that. And then we think about financial independence. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, God wants you financially free. 
Now look at someone else and make sure everybody in here hears it. Yes, it's possible. Yes, it's possible. God wants you financially free. One thing that I tell young people, sometimes I'll tell them, I'll say the difference between you making an $8 an hour job and a $30 an hour job is the application you fill out. Come on, I'm teaching you things here. It takes just as much effort to fill out an application for $30 an hour as it does for $8 an hour. All it boils down to is how much you believe in yourself. And so start looking for those higher paying jobs. You can do it. You're not stupid. You're smart. You can do it. And that can help you move toward financial uh, independence. Freedom from debt. These are your financial goals. Freedom from debt. Charitable giving. Not just the rhythm of giving, but how many of you have ever been in a, in a situation where if you just had it, you would give because you believe so much in, in that ministry. And you would like, like the, maybe the, the um, building next door that we're going to need to build. You say, Pastor, I've just wanted to give to that, but I just don't have it. And if I had it, I would do it. Can I see your hand? Come on. There's people, there's people everywhere. There's people everywhere. There are ministries, there are things, and maybe you've seen somebody poor. Maybe a ministry that ministers to the poor or something. It's in your heart to minister to them. Well, you know, put that in your financial goals. Lord, put me in a position. Lord, I'm going to work to get in this position. Ask your blessing upon my efforts so I can start giving significant gifts later on to be part of God's solution for His church. And then this bucket is the new business bucket. New business bucket. What is that? That's like, okay, Lord, uh, I'm just going to open myself up to any type of investment or anything that you possibly would ask me to be involved in that could render more harvest for me later on down the road. So what you do is you've, you've summarized your present position. You've established your financial goals. Now you need to prioritize you need to begin to prioritize. And this is where big time budgeting comes in. This is where you itemize your budget. And so you itemize that budget down. And then you go to number four. This is where you control your cash flow to accomplish that plan. What does that mean? Well, when, when you control your cash flow. You know what? In the beginning, when you're getting started out, sometimes it's a little using a little more wisdom to have sandwiches instead of steaks all of the time. I'm trying to teach you how to be financially free here, okay? You control the cash flow to accomplish your plan, to move you to the point, and so you control the cash flow from your debt, from your taxes, from your giving, from your, from your living expenses that come from your income. It moves down into this save and investment bucket to be dispersed out in these different areas. And then number five, you monitor your results. Now some of you need to buy this DVD and watch it over and over and over again because that is a very simple explanation of things that can happen that can change your life and set you up for God's blessing in your life in the future. Why are you teaching us this, Pastor? Because stewardship is discipleship. And God wants us to be blessed. But more than that, He wants us to do right with what we have. Let's watch this. He also said to his disciples, There was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. 
So he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be a steward. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master is taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have resolved what to do, that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. So he called every one of his master's debtors to him, and said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, One hundred measures of oil. So he said to him, Take your bill, sit down quickly and write fifty. And he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. So the master commended the unjust steward, because he had dealt shrewdly. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what he is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give to you what is your own? No steward can serve two masters, for he will either hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Can't serve God and mammon. So I'm asking the Lord, I'm saying, Lord, give me one phrase, just, just one phrase that can explain this very accurately here. And here's what he gave me, this phrase right here. How can God trust us with more if we're not even doing right with what we have? This passage of Scripture says, that when you do right with that which is little, then you'll do right with that, with that which is much. But if you do wrong with the little, then you'll do wrong with the much, with much. So why would God trust us with more when we're not even doing right with what He's given us? I want God to bless me. I'll give you a great example, okay? Now... I, I love Tony. He's gone. He's in Ohio. He had to go up there to pastor. Not pastor. Wow. Maybe that's prophetic. No. He had to go up there for work. Uh, there was a particular time uh, in his life when he mentioned to me, he said, I'm going to start tithing. I said, okay. So he started to tithe. Within about a month, month and a half, he came to me and he told me, he said, I got this huge raise. It took, oh, it took care of all of the money that I was tithing and I have more money left over. About a year later, he comes to me, year and a half later or so, he comes to me and, you know, he's, he'd been faithful. He'd been trusting God. He'd been faithful. He'd been tithing and giving to the Lord because he wasn't making a lot of money in the beginning and then he was making more. And he comes to me and he says, I have this opportunity to become part owner in a business up north and starting out, I'm going to make three times the money that I'm making right now, which is three times the money that he was making after he had received the blessing of the tithe. He tried God and proved it. Now, to our disadvantage, he had to leave 
after being here for six years and go up there, but to his advantage, he's experiencing the blessing of God in the area of finances. What was the key? Stewardship. Stewardship matters to God. He started doing what was right with the little, and God gave him more. And now God is moving him into a position where he can give him much. God's word says, prove me. Try me. Now, let me say this. Uh, let me say this. Just, let's just go to the next slide. As a Christian, if you're not giving, your heart's not right. I can't believe the pastor just said that from the pulpit. Why wouldn't I? It's in the Bible. Somebody needs to love you enough to tell you the truth. If you're not giving, your heart's not right. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The tithe is not your treasure, it's God's. That's God's money. But what you give beyond that is your treasure. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So where I put my time and where I put my talent and where my, I put my treasure and what I do with my testimony... Those are stewardship things that I need to offer to the Lord. And if I'm not offering them to the Lord, then my heart's not right. Now let's go on a little farther. As a Christian, we should all be practicing, teaching, and encouraging others concerning stewardship. Now, I'm, we're going to do a little exercise here, and I don't want anybody to answer anybody, but somebody needs to ask us this question. I want you to turn to your neighbor, and don't neighbor, don't answer, but I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to ask them, are you tithing and giving? Come on, turn and look them in the eyeball. Are you tithing and giving? You know, somebody needs, somebody's, there, there are some people in this place this morning that's probably never been asked that question. Well, now you have been. You have been. And it's between you and God whether you're doing that. But the question is, are you tithing and giving? Now I want you to turn to your next neighbor and look at them and say, are you trying to get out of debt? Ask them, are you trying to get out of debt? trying to get out of debt. Well, how do I get out of debt? Well, here's a good start. Quit charging hamburgers on your charge card. Come on, how many, time, how many times do you want to pay for that hamburger? You go to McDonald's or wherever you go or down to Five Guys or whatever and you spend five or ten bucks on a hamburger and you just slip that charge card over there here just put it on this right here and you sit there and you eat that thing and by tomorrow or the next day it's completely gone. But six months down the road, that 5 or $10 that you spent has accumulated interest and that 5 or $10 hamburgers now cost you 60 Quit charging hamburgers on your charge card. How do I get out of debt? Those, those, those are some of the things that you do. We're going to talk about that in just a few moments here. All church staff, volunteers and especially paid, should be tithing and giving. Doesn't matter. Volunteer or paid, especially paid, you should be tithing and you should be giving. It's God's principle. Why? Because financial stewardship, giving is financial stewardship 101. It's God's way. I don't have a problem with accountability. And I don't think that anyone that works on staff for us should have a problem with accountability. And I don't think that any, anybody who calls himself a Christian should have a problem with accountability. 
We need to be accountable to each other before the Lord. Okay? Tithing and giving is financial stewardship 101. Now here are four personal challenges to you because stewardship is discipleship. Say that with me again. I want that to get in you. Stewardship is discipleship. Four personal challenges. Number one, here's how you quit charging even at Christmas time. Even at Christmas time. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, even at Christmas we don't charge. If you can't afford it, do not buy it. Well, I just like the look that comes on their face. You can achieve that with chocolate. <laughs> or Krispy Kreme donuts. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, the, the anointing coming up in here now. Praise you, Lord. Yeah, so, so quit charging, even at Christmas time. Don't charge on your credit card for a birthday gift. Well, I just didn't have any money. Then make them something. Get some popsicle sticks and make them a fan for church. I mean, just, just do something. But quit charging. Just quit charging. Quit charging, period. Just quit charging. Number two, eat at home most of the time. That's where the majority of people's money go. Did you know that? Just eat at home most of the time. Do you realize what it costs to eat out every day? I sat down, I looked at my wife, it's been a few years ago now. I sat down and looked at my wife. All the kids were still at home and everything. I said, Donna, did you know that, I mean, I know we're busy. I know you're working. I know that I'm working. I know the kids are busy and all of that kind of stuff. But did you know that it is very easy for us to spend $100 a day on food when we eat out? Five of us, if you go out for breakfast and you go out for dinner, and when you're not together, you grab something at lunch, that can add up to 100 bucks real easy. Real easy. And then you're wondering where all your money went. I'm telling you, start eating at home. Pack your lunch. Whatever, whatever happened to peanut butter and jelly? Man, that's good stuff. <laughs> peanut butter and jelly, man. Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and a banana? Oh, glory to God, and an oatmeal cookie for lunch? Man, that's good stuff right there. You know, I had a great big, when I was growing to, going to school, when I was in, oh, I'm getting off track now. But when I was going to school, I had a lunchbox. How many remember, remember them old tin lunchboxes? Well, mine was a Fat Albert lunchbox. How many remember Fat Albert? It was a Fat Albert lunchbox. I had that, and then I had a Curious George one, too. So I had those, I mean, I was just a little guy, but I'll tell you what, I couldn't wait for lunchtime because Mama always packed little things in there, you know. And, you know, fix yourself up. A bologna sandwich or something like that. And especially if it's your kids, you know, get them instead of, well, I got to get this lunch. I got to go through the lunch line at school. No, 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 no. Put a little smiley face with the mustard on the bologna. Put it on there where when they open it up, they can see the smiley face and they'll start wondering. You know, do little things like that with your kids and they'll get to the point where they won't want that expensive lunch anymore. They'll be excited. And think of the personal connection. Think of the personal connection that you can have with them. All right, so eat at home most of the time. Pack your lunches. Now, if you can afford to go out there and just throw your money around and all of that kind of stuff, come and see me after church because we need to build a sanctuary next door and I'll talk to you about something. Okay, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying. Eat at home most of the time. You'll save a whole lot of money that way. Number three, start saving and investing today. You say, well, Pastor, I just don't have it. I can't do it today. Yes, you can. If you have five bucks... 
go home, get yourself a miracle whip jar or a Tupperware bowl or something and take one dollar and put it there and look at it and pat it and say, that's for my future, praise the Lord. And every single week and if you can, every single day, just add a little something to it. Even if it's just a quarter. Am I telling it right, Nita? I am. Grandma Nita, she's told me this all along. She said, you know what kids don't do today? They don't save. They don't invest. They don't prepare for the future. She said, we did that all of the time. And I, I, I'm not going to put her stuff out there or stuff like that, but she's, she's doing all right because she did what was right when she was young. She took responsibility for her future when she was young. And so, and there's a lot of you in here that have done that. So start saving and investing today. Number four, keep adjusting. No adjustment is too small. Small adjustments have magnified impacts. Everybody say little hinges swing big doors. It's the small adjustments that we make, like quitting charging hamburgers. Those things have a magnified impact on our future. The meter drop, I put that down there. Several years ago, I read a book called The Wall Street Money Machine and this guy was talking about investing in stocks and he was talking about doing calls and puts and different things like that. And he shared the story of how he started to accumulate his wealth in the beginning. And he was a cab driver. This guy was a cab driver and turned into a multimillionaire. But he was a cab driver. And he said, you know, he said, here we were, we were all, and everybody was looking for the big long trip because the big long trips would pay like 30 bucks or something like that. And he said, they were all making about $300 a week and I was making about $900 a week. He said, they'd ask me, what are you doing or how much are you making? And he said, I'd never tell them because I wasn't going to let my secret out. But he said, I found out a long time ago that the money is not in the trips, it's in the meter drop. I found out that anytime someone gets into the cab, it's immediately, back then, a buck and a half. No matter if you're going down the block or down the street or whatever, but that, but that first initial thing is a buck and a half. And he said, so I hung around there, and he said, I took all the little tiny short trips. I took as many of them as they would give me, and I would tell them, I don't want anything. I don't want these big long trips. I want to stay close to home. Just give me these little short trips. And he was making $900 a week when everyone else was making $300 a week because he figured out that the money was in the small things. And here's what I'm trying to tell you this morning, church. I'm trying to teach you this. Stewardship is discipleship. It's the little things in our life that create magnified impact in our life. Make those little adjustments. Do what God says. Be the person that God wants you to be and watch God begin to magnify that in your life. And then, of course, I say this all the time. A big shot's just a little shot that kept on shooting, so don't quit shooting. Just keep on trying. All right, now, I want to talk to you about developing a rhythm of giving. Have this passage of Scripture and then one more Scripture afterwards. Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 20. Here's what the Bible says. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again, and the Bible says they just sent and sent and sent unto his necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. 
Then we go to verse 18, But I have all in abound, I'm full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Verse 19, we put it on our refrigerators, we put it on plaques and hang it in our home, and we shout around it all of the time. It says, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now we like to shout around verse number 19, but I found out a long time ago for every promise in the Word of God, there are conditions to that promise. So I went back and I began to study it, and I started at verse number 15... And the Bible was saying, Paul was writing to the church at Philippi and he was saying that when I was coming through Macedonia, I was on my way to Thessalonica. No one gave to me except you guys. And then you gave and you gave again and you gave again and they got into that rhythm of giving. And he said because of this, he said God will supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Simple translation When we take care of God's work, God takes care of our work. God's Word teaches us that He wants us to be blessed. God's Word teaches us that we need God's favor. He wants us to have favor. God's Word teaches us those things. Now verse 20, the Bible says, and very significant for this passage, Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So what the glory of God is the atmosphere of God in manifested form. Did you hear me? The glory of God is the atmosphere of God in manifested form. So what God was saying is when you start taking care of my work, not only am I going to bless you, but I'm going to show up in your life in manifested form. And when the Spirit of God's blessing and the Spirit of God's favor comes into the room, the Spirit of lack and the Spirit of debt and the Spirit of poverty have to leave. Why? Because they have to surrender to the power of God in your life. So you're the temple of God. You're the dwelling place of God. Not only are you the place where he wants to dwell, but he wants to set up house inside of you. He wants to add his blessing to your life. He wants to create the environment that he's comfortable in. And that environment is an environment of no lack, no poverty, no debt, peace, You know what peace means? Shalom. Nothing missing and nothing broken. That's the atmosphere that God wants to create for His temple. And you're His temple, the place where He lives. So, there's five stewardship commitments that every Christian should make. Number one, don't just take what I'm saying at face value. You go home and study it. You go home and study it. I'm not afraid for you to go study the Word of God. You do that. You go study it. Do an in-depth study on what the Bible says about stewardship for today. You go home and you start studying what the Bible says about stewardship. 
do that. That's commitment number one. Commitment number two, take personal responsibility for your family's finances and make adjustments where necessary. You did not get in this mess overnight, and it might take a little bit to get out, but when God sees you trying to get out, He's going to help you. He's going to help you. He's not going to bless you when you just keep going around the circle in the same old mess, but He'll help you if He can see you making an effort to get out of that mess. He'll help you. Number three, Make a plan to get out of debt and commit to no more debt. Say that with me. No more. Come on, shout it out. No more. Come on, one more time. Let's get it in us. No more debt. You make that commitment. No more debt. Not, not going in debt anymore. Not charging any more hamburgers. Come on. I'm not going to let them call me and say, well, let's just consolidate up and stuff like this. And then when you get to looking at it later, you're paying 29% interest. No, 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 no. They might get your payment lower, but they're going to stretch it out longer and you're going to pay the interest on the front end. You're not paying the principal. You're paying the interest on the front end. So no more debt. We're not doing it the devil's way. We're doing it God's way. Number four, covenant with God and become accountable accountable for the full tithe on a regular basis. Get started with the rhythm of giving. That's the purpose of tithing. God wants you to get in a rhythm of giving where when He blesses you, you automatically bless Him back. That's what He wants. He wants you to get involved in that rhythm of giving. Why? Because He knows when you get in the rhythm of giving then he can establish a rhythm of harvest in your life. So get involved in that. So covenant with God and become accountable for the full tithe on a regular basis and just chunk the bad attitude about, well, it's nobody's business what I give. Yes, it is. It's God's business. And, and frankly, it's your spiritual leadership's business because we give an account for God over you and over your soul. Okay, number five, set a goal to become a significant giver and become part of the financial solution for God's church. I wish to God I had a billion dollars. I do. If I did, my goodness, I'd know where I'd put it. Somebody told me, they said, I'm just believing that God gives you so much money you won't know what to do with it. I said, that'll never happen. That'll never happen. I said, hey, he can give me all kinds. But you know what? I mean, it, I'll just become the conduit for the, for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And he'll just, he'll just let, you know, J.C. Penney was a Christian. He was a Christian. And it got to the point in the end where he was giving 90% of his income away and living on 10%. I was talking to a man the other day. I'm trying to remember exactly where it was. I was talking to a man the other day and he came up to me and he said, I knew the people at Chick-fil-A personally. I knew the owner personally. And he said, did you know? He said that when he died, because he's dead now, he said when he died, there were two things that he put in his will. He said, number one, Chick-fil-A is never to be open on Sunday. And it's not. And number two, 90% of all of the prophets have to go into giving and the work of the Lord. And he said, I've known him. And he said, he said he just lived in a mansion. 
and he did it on the 10% of the income. I'm believing the Lord to kind of move that spectrum for all of us in this place. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Could you imagine what it would be like if every single one of you were financially free? Did you know that it's not wrong to think like that? It's not wrong for me to believe God for you to experience the blessing of God upon your life. That's not be, me being greedy. It's, it's me wanting to see you blessed. You know what? And here's the deal I'll make with you. I believe God for you if you believe God for me. And I'm not going to get upset when the Lord does it for you and you don't get upset when the Lord does it for me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So set a goal to become a significant giver and become part of the financial solution for God's church. Now here's the last scripture. Here we go. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. What does that mean? It means when you do well, it gives God pleasure. Why would he be against that? Why would he be against it? You don't have to be Pentecostals. You can be a blessed Christian. You can be a blessed saint. Come on, let's all stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number four, Jesus. TV. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.